Hola, como estas? Okay, that's my attempt at Spanish. It is May 3rd. I am Levi Johnny Griffin, and welcome to Word Today. This is May. It's a new month. It's actually our second uh, podcast of the month, and I hadn't picked a theme until now, and I think we're just going to do some expository work this month, just kind of explain the Bible, maybe pick some famous passages and just kind of go line by line and break them down. Uh, I think that's what we're going to do. All right, so let's do that. We'll be right back with Word Today. All right, let's get into this. Uh, We're going to go over some Matthew 5, the B attitudes. Many of us know the B attitudes, uh, the Sermon on the Mount at his as it is, uh, you know, more famously known, um, it's when Jesus kind of takes some disciples uh, and disciples at this time are not just the 12 disciples, but everyone uh, that is following him. Disciple means disciplined one. So this is literally everybody that is uh, hanging out with him at this time. Um, and he is just, you know, chopping it up with them. You know, he's kind of teaching them and uh, he drops some heavy knowledge on them. And I want us to break it down on what it really means to make sure that we have a really good understanding or a clear understanding. We're going to use two separate Bibles today. We're going to use the uh, message Bible, which kind of puts it in um, everyday English for the everyday person. I'll put it like that. Um, And we're going to use the amplified Bible, which kind of breaks down Um, everything that is being said. Um, So we're going to do that. All right, let's get started. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy this month and learning kind of line by line what the Bible is telling us about. All right, Lord God, help us in Jesus' name. All right, Matthew 5. We're going to start at verse 1. I'm going to go from the Amplified to the Message. Uh, So I'm going to read the verse in the Amplified, then I'm going to read the verse in the Message. Uh, to give us two perspectives on the same verse uh, and help us dig deep into um, the understanding of that scripture. I do it personally all the time. I use two or three different Bible versions all the time just to help me get a grasp on what the true meaning of the scripture is. Um, But this is the first time I've ever done it uh, ever on in a podcast video format. Um, I've just never done it um, outside of, I don't think I've ever done it anyway, outside of just my personal studies. All right, so here we go. Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mizount, going from uh, the Amplified to the Message, starting at verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, uh, Amplified, um, verses 1 and 2. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed the hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. So that was verses 1 and 2, and that's kind of how we're going to go back and forth. All right, now let's get into it. Verse 3, blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be uh, admired, uh, are the poor in spirit those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. Okay, verse three in the message. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope with less of you. There is more of God and his rule. Okay, so what, what is that saying? We got the amplified there, um, which broke, which gave us a scripture and broke it down, kind of line or really part by part, um, precept by precept, if you will, um, of what verse three means. Um, and then we have the message, which kind of puts it in, like I say, everyday English for the everyday person. Well, I have a few notes here too. Uh, the word today commentary with Levi Johnny Griffin, if you will. Uh, and it goes like this, whether you are being humble out of humility or out of exhaustion and loss uh, and just lost the will to fight, God rewards your humility with acceptance in heaven. One of the two postures that garner, uh, that garner heaven. Uh, so as I read the amplified in the message, that's what I take out of it, that you're, you're blessed. God is blessing you for being humble whether you're being humble just because you you've lost the will of fight, you're exhausted or you're being humble just because you've reached a level of maturity um, that you can be humble. You don't have to take credit for everything. You don't have to be the center of attention at every show or you don't have to see sing lead um, at, on every Sunday. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room in every room. You don't have to win Every argument, you don't have to be the one on top in every email uh, dispute. You you just don't have to. So whether you've reached a level of humility just because you've matured or, or humility because you've matured or whether you've reached a level of humility because you've just decided, you know what, I'm tired of fighting. The, the reason you've become humble seems to be irrelevant here. God blesses you when you get there. God is going to bless you. Verse three is saying, hey, when you get to humility, Holler at your boy, because I'm going to bless you for it. Um, God loved the, the humble. The, there's, oh, there's so many scriptures that, that talks about, hey, if you humble yourself, I will give you the glory. I will raise you up. I'll sit you in high places. But if you just try to sit yourself in high places and poke your own chest out, then I'm going to just show you you're not the big, big dog that you think you are, that you're still in the puppy pound. But be a puppy. I'll, I'll, I'll bring you to the doghouse. But try to be a dog before time, then I'll, I'll show you that you're really a puppy. God doesn't appreciate the arrogance. So that's verse three. Verse four, starting with Amplified. Blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent, for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. The message, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. All right. And the word today commentary is this broken bread and poured out wine. When you have given all you have, uh, now you have enough room for God to give you more. Um, and the broken, broken bread and poured out wine. I have a really good buddy, uh, minister Raymond, uh, Cobman in Richmond, Virginia, one of the most powerful. And I've mentioned him, I think before in podcast, one of the most powerful men, uh, of God that I know. And uh, definitely has a heart for God. And he told this story once um, at a church service um, about broken bread and poured out wine um, and how a lady, I think it was an older lady before she died. She said she wants to be broken bread and poured out wine. What does that mean? It means that she wanted to not have anything left. She wanted to give 
everything that she had before she died. She didn't want to be bread still in the, the, the packaging and wine still uh, aging in the vat. She wanted to be broken bread, eaten bread, you know, used, poured out wine, wine that had been poured out in celebration. She wanted to be for her purpose fulfilled. She didn't want to be stored uh, in a storehouse somewhere for a later date and die still waiting for that later date, that day that she'd be um, brought to her potential. She wanted to leave it all on the court, as they say in basketball. Uh, don't bring any, any of your energy back to the locker room. The game is over. Pour it all. Leave it on the court. Football say, leave it on the field. Everything you got, leave it on the field. And saying, hey, here, listen, man, leave it on the field. Leave it on the field. You know, everything you have, just leave it on the field. You know, if, if you give out everything you have to the people around you and to life and to being, being kind and just, just pour out yourself for people. God is saying, hey, man, I'll pour out myself. And I already have poured out my son for you. You'll be full. You pour it out, I'll fill you up. And you'll be, and not only will I fill up the eight ounce container you were, I'll make you a 12 ounce container. So I'll give you the eight you had, enlarge you by four, and then fill that four up. I'll enlarge your territory and fill up the enlarged territory as well. Verse five Blessed, inwardly peaceful, spiritually secure, worthy of respect, are the gentle, the kind hearted, the sweet spirited, the self controlled. For they will inherit the earth. Message. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. All right. Word today translation. New heaven and new earth. I believe those that have been saved will not only access heaven, but some will have access to the new earth as well. All right, Levi, where you get that from? I got that from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from a, from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And just from these two scriptures, Revelation 21 and Matthew 5, um, Verse five, I just kind of feel uh, or that that may be not just hinting at because it kind of says it explicitly, but that we, we will not only have access to heaven, those that die in righteousness, but some of us have access to the new earth as well. Verse six, amplified, blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness those who actively seek right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. Message, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. His food, uh, he's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. Word today, translation or commentary. When you desire God, when you desire God more than all, you will have complete satisfaction in every area of your life. When God is what you want more than anything, you'll have everything else that you want. Matthew six goes on um, to say this. Uh, if you read a chapter over, please do. It says, listen, when you seek first the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness and all these things, all these, and it lists things 
food, right? Nourishment, finances, well, things that you need, uh, that you need money to buy. Like all this stuff that we worry about will be given to you when you see God first. And it's kind of saying that here. Listen, when you desire God more than anything else, everything else will be given to you by God. I like to say it like this. When you make God's business your business, God makes your business his business. And I can guarantee you that God can handle your business better than you can handle your business. You ever did something and go, man, I can't believe I did that. God doesn't have those moments. God repented when he made man, and that's about it, right? God doesn't have those moments where it's like, man, I could have really done this a different way. I, I messed this thing up. God has the foresight. God sees 100,000 plays ahead, millions, billions, trillions, trillions of years into the future, into the past. He knows how every decision affects every other decision ever to be made ever in time. So, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of those oops, oops moments. So when you handle God's business, you make reading your Bible, loving his people, seeking his face, your priority. He'll use his infinite wisdom, his omniscience, his omnipotence to bless you. Seven. Blessed, content, sheltered by God's promises are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Message, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. Word today, Levi Griffin commentary. The moment you empty your peace and joy into someone else is the very moment you will truly have peace and joy. In other words, God removed your burden, so help someone else remove theirs. And this this kind of goes to loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, this goes to, hey, I'll forgive you as you forgive others. The Father's prayer, right? Or really the disciples' prayer, right? Or all of our us as disciples' prayer, right? So what what is being clearly said here? Or what is being said here clearly, should I say? And I think it's it's being very, very clearly put to say, hey, man, Love my people. My, what, let me find. I don't have this in my notes. I wonder if I can. Uh, I'm going to try to find a scripture here. I don't actually have it as one of my notes. But there's a scripture um, where Jesus keeps asking, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Uh, and, and he keeps asking it to Peter. Uh, here, I think I have a new uh, NIV version here. John. 21, um, 15, you have to excuse me. This wasn't one of my scriptures in my notes, but it just kind of, kind of hit me. Here we go. John 21 verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than everything else? Everyone else? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Like he keeps ask, he keeps asking him over and over and over. Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and it's like John's, you know, Simon Peter saying, listen, you know, I love you. 
You know, so he's he's kind of hurt when Jesus has to ask him a third time, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Man, that is that is true in so many levels, right? When we're young, we kind of dress ourselves. We chase our own ambitions. We really do what we want to do. We do our own thing. Uh, but when we get old, just like being a baby, a baby can't dress itself. It needs someone else. When you get old, you you have people taking you to old folks homes, right? Uh, if you didn't love your children like you uh, enough and invest in your children, you don't have any stock when they don't invest in you when you get older. Love your kids. That doesn't mean giving them what they want and letting them do what they want. A lot of times it means correction and discipline. It means investing in them, investing in, in their future, making sure they turn out to be great people. And they will appreciate that when they have a great life and they'll invest back into you. But what is all of this saying? What, what is verse 7 trying to tell us? It's saying, listen, man, invest in my people. Love my people. Show grace to my people. Help my people. When someone catches an attitude with you, love them. My, my sister, was, I was on the phone with my sister yesterday, and I guess somebody was rude to her. And for the next 20, 30 minutes, she just went on and 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 on about how this person was rude to her. I mean, it was just such a distraction to the conversation. And she just seemed like she never got over it. And it's like, hey, when someone's rude to you, just love them. Just show them grace. Dr. Brene Brown, uh, in her book, I think it's Daring Greatly, she mentioned that she had someone rude to her and she went to a therapist and uh, and her therapist, and this is in the book, so I'm sure it's okay to say it's published and it's out there to everyone, but she said she went to a therapist and her therapist asked her a question and said, hey, do you think people are doing the best they can and the best they can? And I think she told them she didn't know and she went kind of polled some people and, every, and you know, the consensus was, yeah, people, I guess, are doing the best they can. So she comes back and says, yeah, you know what, people are doing the best they can. Like, well, if people are doing the best they can, basically cut them some slack. You need people to cut you some slack sometime, right? God says, I forgive you as you forgive other people. If you can't forgive somebody else because they did, you, you know, did you wrong, then God's saying, hey, why should I forgive you when you do me wrong? Show people some grace. Give them some love. Let the person have a bad day. You know, there's this old song, so you had a bad day. See something? Some, I don't remember words. I'm terrible with lyrics. But nonetheless, uh, it just talks about, you know, having a bad day. Some people are having a bad day. Some people are having a bad week. Hey, some people, you know, you know, you know, sometimes you don't know what people going on in people's lives. Their parents could have just died, could have lost a kid, uh, saw being sick. I'm in class right now with a, a woman who was diagnosed with cancer. You don't know. I mean, she shared that, but you don't know what's going on in people's lives. But we're so quick, so quick as human beings to judge someone else. They should be nicer. They shouldn't treat me like that. They shouldn't be. Hey, how about you have some understanding? You don't know what's going on in that person's life. That's why I said, God say, love them. Just love them. You forgiving them and loving them, God says, will bring them around. They'll feel guilty for treating you bad. This is scripture because you just love them. And you're not loving them so they later realize, you know, they did wrong and feel bad. You're loving them just because they need to be loved. Verse 8. Bless it. 
anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature, are the pure in heart, those who with integrity, moral courage, and godly character, for they will see God. A message, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. All right, the word today, commentary. When someone is angry, disrespectful, or biased towards you without knowing you, they are really only projecting their own bias and imperfections on you and then judging themselves. I'll read that again. When someone is angry, disrespectful, or biased toward you without knowing you, they are really only projecting their own bias and imperfections on you and then judging themselves. Looking at the bias they've inflicted on you and judging themselves. It's kind of like racism, right? You hate someone just because they're white or just because they're black or just because they're Hispanic or just because they're uh, this or that. You don't know them, but maybe you had a bad encounter with someone with that race and now you're biased. Or maybe you were taught to be biased, so now you're biased. Really has nothing to do with that. That person It has something to do with your own inferiority. You're inferior completely, or at least in that area. You project that inferiority on this person and you hate the inferiority that you see. The inferiority that's actually coming from you and that is a part of you, not them. Here, I think it's, it's, it's being, being clear. It's saying here that, listen, when, you, when you're inside, like how the message Bible puts it, when your inside world and your mind and your heart are put right, then you'll see God. When you're not so angry, when you're not so biased, you'll see God. There are some people that think the world is so evil because they're evil. They don't open the doors for people. Oh, they can get their own door. I have someone that works for me that's kind of like that. Or that's, that's very much like that. I, I tell her, hey, be a little kind. Show a little, little grace. I know people can be rude. I know people, you may ask them to do things. They don't do it. You're like, no, they, should, they get what they get. And they, you know, so of course you're going to see bad things when you're kind of a bad person. Or when you just have a bad outlook. I'm not saying she's a bad person, but when you have a bad outlook, you're going to, when you, when you're evil, you just kind of see evil. The Bible says, you know, to the pure of heart, everything is pure. When you, when you're a good person and you honestly give people the benefit of the doubt, the world looks better to you because you're giving people the benefit of the doubt. But if you just kind of think everybody's out for wrong and doing to do wrong, then yeah, the world looks horrible and grim. I'm sure we've all talked to that person. That is the conspiracy theory. The government's out to get us. They're putting chemicals in the water to to track our brain thought, you know, not track our brain cells and brain activity. And it just just every the world is just such against them. If you think like that, then, yeah, you're not going to enjoy yourself. And I'm not saying be blind to the facts. I'm just saying show some people some grace when they mess up and don't be biased yourself. At least that's what the word is saying. Verse nine, blessed, spiritually calm with life, joy in God's favor are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they will express his character and be called the sons of God. The message. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Word today translation or, or commentary. Jesus was a peacemaker between God and man, which was the first and greatest offense. The very first offense, right? And what could be considered the greatest offense. Yes, the angels left. Satan left. He pulled a third of the angels. Um, and, and he tempted 
man uh, to sin. But the first sin that man ever, you know, made caused all of mankind to go into turmoil. And Jesus became a peacemaker to reconcile God and man. So it's like, man, if you can be a peacemaker, God favors that. God sent a peacemaker. God is a peacemaker because he sent a peacemaker to reconcile. He's saying, listen, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the, the, the sons of God or the children of God, the family of God. God is saying, listen, I'm a peacemaker. And only, only peacemakers can be in my family. Ten, blessed, comfort, comforted by inner peace and God's love are those who are persecuted for doing that which is morally right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. Ten, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Word today, commentary. People hating on you will occur God's sympathy, but people hating you because you're living by conviction garners God's acceptance for you into heaven. You know, just people hating on you just because you look good, smell good, smart, work hard, whatever. Yeah, they're hating on you because of a righteous quality, godly quality. And hey, you know, that God gets his sympathy. He'll look out for you. He'll bless you. But when they hate you because you're living right, because you have character, because you have morals, because you're not you're not going to the strip club, because you're not talking uh, negatively about men. All not, all, you're not saying all men are dogs. You're not saying all women are, are this or that, or you're not treating uh, women like objects instead of human beings. Are you, you've decided to help people. You've decided not to cheat on your taxes or to cheat people out of money. You're living by conviction. And when people hate on you because of this, God says, I will open the doors of heaven. And when you die, you will see heaven. You will live forever in Heaven. There's people that will live separated from heaven and hell and in agony. That won't be you because you live the life of conviction. I will open heaven's doors for you. Verse 11. Blessed, morally courageous and spiritually alive with life, joy and God's goodness. Are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of your association with me? 12, be glad and exceedingly joyful for your reward in heaven is great, absolutely inexhaustible for in this same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Message Bible 11 and 12 says this, not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even for though they don't like it. I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble, trouble. My commentary, people hating on you will occur God's protection or retribution to them. But people hating on you because you're a Christian garners God's acceptance for you as his own. His love for you. He is. He accepts you. See, in verse 10, it says when people hate on you because you are you have character and moral, God opens heaven. But when people hate on you because you're his, he opens his heart. So there, that that's two types of hate. Well, some, sometimes people want to hate on you because you're doing the right things and they can't corrupt you. 
Then there's going to be people that hate on you because you love Jesus and you talk about Jesus and you you're trying to come, you know, turn people towards Jesus. See, I live I'm in a English class right now. Comp two. It's a class that, you know, I should have clepped out of. But it's just an English composition class. Uh, and, 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 and what they're, and I'm in class with, you know, people that say, I know something's out there. I don't know what some people say, you know, religion is, you know, it's college. So you get all kinds and it's religion is, uh, you know, organized institution and needs to be torn down. Uh, and what do you do? You love those people. I'm those people like me. I like them. They're good people. And in the sense that they, I think they're, you know, I think they love their children. They're, they're in school to better themselves. And that sense of good, I think they're good people. I love them. We get along real well. But with that, I still still let them know there's no hiding that I love Jesus. And anytime I get a chance to make an argument about Jesus, to counter their, their anti-arguments about Jesus, I will. They will know by the end of that period, if they don't know already, that I am a, a, a follower of Jesus that loves Jesus. Every college course that I've had, that there's been uh, opposition on the other side. I've loved those people. They like me. They, you're not going to listen to somebody you don't like, but I, and in my favor with them, I try to, toward, you know, swing them towards Jesus. Faith means to be persuaded. We went over this in a previous podcast. So I try to use my faith, my persuasion, because I've been persuaded to believe in Jesus to persuade them. I show them love, kind to them, try to answer any objections to Jesus they may have in an intelligent way that is not threatening to them. Because the minute I make it a me versus them, then it's over. They just tune me out. But if I can say, hey, man, we're in this together. Let's try to walk together toward the truth. Then I can win them. And I've won people that way. I think people have come to Jesus or gotten closer to Jesus or gotten off the fence and come to Jesus because uh, I've loved them toward Jesus. So when people hate on you and persecute you because of your character, God opens heaven. When people hate on you and persecute you because you're a Christian and love Jesus, then God opens himself. All right, that's the Beatitudes. Uh, Love you guys. See you next time. Listen, I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcast platforms, Google podcast platforms, and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right, we live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion, and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.